Good morning, Landmark Church. How are you today? So good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here, and uh, we're excited about all that God is doing um, at our church. And I want to just give you a, an update on something. We've had several people ask about our Hope Center and ways that they could give and make a difference out there. When you walk out the door today, there'll be a piece of paper out there on this paper. There's a few items. These are bigger items. We're going to actually on uh, this is a separate announcement we are gonna be announcing soon kind of some ideas for connect groups for the fall how you can connect with people in a safe way with everything going on but um, we're gonna have our first one September 13th at the Hope Center It'll be outside and uh, the church is gonna provide everything you don't have to bring anything but an appetite and, and want to have fun we're gonna have uh, lawn games volleyball stuff like that we're just gonna have an outdoor thing and once again all the food will have hamburgers and stuff like that all the food will be provided for you that'll be September 13th but um, and so that night some people are gonna maybe bring some kind of a housewarming stuff but if you want to be able to give in some people have said we want to be able to give toward uh, a bigger project we have three different items and they're looking for right now they're for 20 something people are cooking like on a tiny stove so we're looking at a, a bigger stove an ice maker can you imagine they still have ice trays for 20 something people so ice trays and then uh, a, a coffee pot how many of you know caffeine is the way of life in the morning can you say amen and so anyway those are some items if you would like to give toward those you can give in the offering today or later on you can earmark it on checks or if you give online um, there's a drop down menu it'll actually say which item you would like to give toward so amen thank you guys would you stay with me this morning I'm excited to preach this morning from the topic living out the kingdom late last night I was studying I say late it was in the evening and the Holy Spirit asked me to add something to my message and I'm a very planned person I like to memorize my sermons and so um, when I get that I, I'm obedient but uh, I'm working it out with you this morning okay so stick with me on a few things there's a few things God I feel like wanted me to add to this and literally um, late last night so I'm trying to work all that out so stick with me this morning and I but I believe we're going to understand what it means to live the kingdom of God Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 Matthew 5 43 you're awake this morning Amen. I need your help today. We are a church that believes in call and response prayer and preaching. So you can say amen. You can say preach it white boy, whatever you need to say this morning. You're welcome to do that. So amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and the sins rain on the just and the unjust for if you love those who love you what reward will you have do not even the tax collectors do the same and if you greet your brethren only what do you do more than others? Do you not even, excuse me, do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your word that it's alive. And Father, right now, in the midst of a world of darkness and chaos, in the midst of the world of confusion, the only thing that can really stand against that is truth. Your truth has stood the test of time. And thousands of years later, your truth still stands. Let every man be a liar, but let your word be true. And Father, today as I speak what I believe is your truth, I pray that you help us to embody this and live this every single day. May we live the kingdom of God. May we live your truth 
Father, may we leave here today changed and transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit because it's not us that can do any of this, but it is your Spirit inside of us that makes all of this possible. We thank you, Father, for doing these things. We give you this time together. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people together said, Amen. Turn around and look at somebody and say, You're the best looking thing I've seen all day, and you may be seated. I didn't say that. I looked in the mirror already this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. How many of you would say you are an organizer? You like to organize things. Anybody? You like to organize. You are a, 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 an organizer. And anybody that is an organizer, extraordinaire, you know one thing that you can use to really, I mean, if you are an organizer of organizers, you like to label things. I mean, you like to know where everything is at. You label things so you can easily find those things. And sometimes labels are a great thing. How many of you know if you're grabbing something and it's poisonous and it's got poisonous liquid in there, you want a label on there that says poison. Be careful how you handle it. Those labels are good. Labeling stuff is okay. The problem is when we begin to label people. Because if we're not careful, we will label people based on certain things. We will label people based on what they've done. Trying to describe somebody, oh, you know that person that did that. You know that person that messed up. You know that person that was caught doing this. And we label people based on what they've done. Sometimes we label people based on where they live. I grew up in Crystal Springs, Mississippi, and we grew up in a parsonage beside our old church. Much like we've done here in this building, we swapped churches. We bought a different church when I was two years old. But we lived in the parsonage until I graduated high school. My parents moved after that, but we lived next door to our old church. And in the middle of Crystal Springs, there are railroad tracks and I did not live on the good side of the railroad tracks where our church was at was on one side and they would say oh you're from that side of the tracks you're from that part of town the other side of the tracks had the nice big antebellum beautiful homes my side of the tracks even though that's where the school was at and all that kind of stuff the houses we grew up in were small and and, and weren't very nice and so we were we were labeled as the wrong side of the tracks and when we went places I grew up in a public school I'm so glad that I did but there was a private wealthy private school down the road and, and my best friend went there so I would go to football games there and they would say oh you're from that school you go over there you go with those people and we label people based on those kinds of things but one of the things Christ came to do and I love this he came to break down labels he came to say I love those people that you have labeled as something else he told the Pharisees matter of fact the prostitutes and the tax collectors are closer to the kingdom of heaven than you are you call them names you label them as something but I look at them and I see them as my children. I see them as people that I love. I break down those barriers and I break down those labels and they're not known by what they've done or where they live. They are simply known as children of the living God. Can you help me this morning? 
And so Jesus came to destroy walls that people had built up. He came to destroy those things. Matter of fact, Paul says he is our peace who has broken down the middle wall. He broke down the wall that separated us to him, but I believe he also broke down every wall that separated me from other people. So now not only can I be in right relationship with God, but now I can be in right relationship with people because I don't see people based on what they've done and where they live. I see people based on what God says about them. Amen? So here's what I want you to see that the Lord really worked on me last night. The Bible says this, that the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. He came most of us think he came just so I go to heaven one day. Listen, it was so much bigger than that. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And here's what happened. If you want to understand what, what we've lost and what it means to live the kingdom, you don't go to the Gospels. You have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis. Are you still with me this morning? Say amen. I'll come back to the labeling in just a moment. But I want to get to you to show you exactly what it means to live the kingdom. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. Everybody say dominion have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth so here God creates Adam and Eve and puts them in the garden of Eden this perfect place and he says I've got a job for you I think a lot of us think perfection means I can just lay around and do nothing that was not God's idea of perfection God says I've got a job for you to do you're going to have work to do but here's what your job is you are to have dominion over the fish over the air over creation you have dominion Adam named the animals I'm not sure what he was thinking on some of these different names but Adam named the animals and all these things he was given dominion and then all of a sudden something happens Eve eats the apple Adam follows along behind her and sin enters the world notice they were both given dominion not just man but he said, I created them in my image, and I gave them dominion. So they're both given dominion over creation, over the earth. And then all of a sudden, Adam sins and Adam falls. When Adam sins and Adam falls, what he loses is not a religion. He didn't have this religion that he just walked away from. What he lost was the kingdom. He lost dominion. He lost the ability to have the dominion that God had handed him and gave him because of sin. Sin separated, and now Adam is part of the creation, and Adam is having to do all these things to work in creation, and he doesn't have the dominion over creation. Listen, not over just people. This scripture has been used to say slavery is okay because uh, the, the weak, the stronger can have dominion over the weaker. I'm not talking about over people. I'm talking about over creation, over 
for the creation that God created, he intended for mankind to, make, to maintain this. He created mankind to have dominion over creation so that we could be the ones that say, this is what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. This is what the kingdom of God is supposed to be lived like. And we were called to show that and have dominion. We were created in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. That means when people see us, they should see God. They should see Christ in us because we bear his image. And then here's what happens when Jesus comes on the scene. Here's what happens. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5. Are you sticking with me? Are you with me this morning? Say amen and just help me. For about one man's offense, death reigned through the one. That was the first Adam. Through one man's offense, death reigned. Much more those who have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Jesus is the second Adam, the last Adam. He came to undo what everything that the first Adam messed up. Jesus came to undo everything that had happened with the first Adam. So most of us, we think of Jesus coming, we think of him dying on the cross and being resurrected. It's so that I can go to heaven one day. It's so that I can have this eternal life. And yes, that's a big part of it, but there's so much more to that. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, says this he said that now the kingdom of God is breaking forth on you in other words I've come to represent the father and I've come to say the kingdom of God is here and this is what the kingdom of God looks like in my kingdom blinded eyes are open in my kingdom the dumb talk and the lame walk in my kingdom demons are cast out in my kingdom people are loved and cared for in my kingdom those that society has pushed to the side they are cared for and loved my kingdom is a different kingdom. And I want you to know today, your king does not sit on a state capital in Oklahoma City. Your king does not sit anywhere in Washington, D.C. Your king sits enthroned by God. The, by, by God, He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He is still King of kings. And He is still Lord of lords. And there is nobody that will be greater than our king. Can you say amen? So here we are called to be part of this kingdom. And listen to what Paul says. Those of us that, put that scripture back up there if you don't mind. Look at what he says. Those of us who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life. We will reign in life. Not reign in death. Not reign one of these days. Listen, I believe in the second coming of Jesus. And I believe it, is, it could be right now i could in mid-sentence we could all be out of here i understand that we believe in the imminent return of christ and when christ returns the bible says that he that that is whenever all of this is going to be fully realized right now it's not fully realized we still have pain and aches we still wake up how many of you get a little older you wake up and you know what your knee maybe hurt a little bit your back hurts just a little bit whatever we have all these things pain and sorrow and all these things but one of these days jesus is coming back and the bible says in that moment the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our christ and he will reign forever and ever and ever and then the bible tells us he will wipe away every tear from our eyes no more sorrow no more pain no more grief all those things will be gone but until that happens the kingdom of God is still coming the kingdom of God is still here and God's plan was for us to establish the kingdom of God Psalms 115 16 the psalmist writes this that the heavens are the Lord's but the earth he gave to the children of men 
The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he gave to the children of men. And part of the living the kingdom of God is understanding I have been given dominion. In other words, here's what I mean by this. Practically, I do believe I am not a tree hugger. I don't go far like that, but I will tell you, I do believe it matters that we care for creation. We care about those things. We plant flowers, and we cut our grass, and we care about the way things look. We pick up litter and all these little things. We, we care about the way things look in, in creation, and I get that. But listen, on a spiritual part, Here's what I believe. We are called to enact the kingdom of God. So whenever the devil wants to bring chaos in the midst of our families, in the midst of our job, we can embody the kingdom of God and we walk in with the peace of God around us and we say, not today, devil. You can't have my family. I'm going to bring peace into this. Whenever people are sick, we lay hands on them and we believe that God can heal them and take care. When people are demon-possessed, we say, demons, you got to go in the name of Jesus. We believe these things are real because we are embodying the kingdom of God. We are the representatives of the kingdom. Let me give you kind of a really silly illustration. I want you to imagine, I can, I can, I can tell you this, let me just say it this way. Last night, my wife went out with a couple of ladies just to get something to eat, and I decided to watch Benjamin, okay? And you know, wives, you leave your kid home with your husband, you're a little nervous, okay? And so my wife lays all this stuff out for me. Here's the pajamas he can wear. I don't know what pajamas look like, so I could never pick one out. I'm just kidding. Here's the little thing you give him whenever, you know, all this stuff, which, is, I mean, it helped me, but all this stuff. I want you to imagine a babysitter, okay? And you have a babysitter that comes to your house, and it, it, a lot of moms, you have a list of things. Here's their bedtime. Here's what they're supposed to eat. Why? Because, not because you're trying to just be a helicopter parent or be crazy, it's because you don't want your kid that usually goes to sleep at 8 o'clock staying up till 10.30 eating M&Ms, right? So you have a list that you give. Now, you, you understand that this, that this babysitter is not you, but you hope that they're not just doing their own rogue thing. You hope they are an extension of you, and they go through the same patterns and the same things you did, because in a sense... They are representing you. You don't want to have to redo all your child's training because a babysitter decides, I don't care. Okay, that's a silly illustration, but here's the thing. God sent us into this world to be a representation of him. We are called to embody the kingdom of God, and we are called to be the representation of God. And he made a list for us. It's right here. He gave us his word. And if you want the greatest list, I've been reading it to you, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is when Jesus stood up and he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And listen to me, part of this is us understanding our authority and dominion we have been given. Peter, Jesus looks at the disciples and says, who do men say that I, the son of man am and they said some say Elijah some Jonas and then Jesus said who do you say that I am and Peter says thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus said blessed are you Simon bar Jonah for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father which is in heaven and then he says this and I will get and, I, and your name is Peter and on Peter on you I will build the rock on the revelation of who Christ is I will build my church excuse me and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it but catch this and I will give to you the keys to the to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. When I was growing up, my dad pastored a church. And we had a multi-purpose building, all kinds of doors you had to go through to get to places. And my dad had this large <coughs> set of keys. I don't remember people carrying these. He had these keys. It was this big silver thing that had a chain in it. And he had a key. It was so that he could 
have it on his belt and he could you know just without taking it off he could unlock doors now here's the problem literally the keys were like there was this many keys it was so heavy i never saw the man wear it on his belt one time okay it was always just carried around so i never understood why we had this big bolt thing carrying around but whenever i would go dad i would say dad where are the keys to your office where he'd say go look here here are my keys or he'd hand them to me in the church and i'd walk around just just swinging those things you know why because i had the keys any door I could get into there was nothing that was that I couldn't get into that was locked up I mean the ladies could try to hide the soda and say no you kids can't get in there but I had the keys and nobody was around I was gonna go find where that soda was hidden because they, they had it sashed away for some party and I was gonna go in there and have a little party myself and enjoy it that's as wild as we could be you know I had a little Dr. Pepper or whatever you know but the truth is I walked around differently because I had the keys the kingdom and when you understand who God has created you to be and you understand he has given you the keys to the kingdom it means you have been given dominion down here so I don't have to live in a world full of chaos I live in it but I don't have to let the chaos affect me because I can have the kingdom of God established in my life I don't have to have turmoil all around me it can go on around me but I don't have to happen inside of me I have dominion over my area and I can speak to that and say I am not gonna let the enemy defeat me and destroy me I'm not going to let the enemy I have dominion and I'm going to bind every spirit that wants to bring confusion and chaos and I'm going to loose every spirit that can bring peace and love and joy and harmony and I'm going to say to those things you're not going to overtake me and all of a sudden I realize the dominion I begin to quote the word of God over my life and over my family I begin to realize that God has set before me two doors blessing and cursing I can choose life that I can live or death that I'm not and I decide to choose life because I have authority through the word of God and when you begin to live that way and understand it all of a sudden you realize we were created to get back the dominion that Adam lost Jesus Christ gave it to us now we are called to live the kingdom and establish his kingdom amen so let's go back to labeling the greatest way I believe we do this is what Jesus said in the Old Testament they had these labels neighbor and enemy if it was your neighbor, somebody you liked, not just people that live next door to you, but anybody you liked, then you were nice to them. If it was your enemy, anybody that disagreed with you, you weren't nice to them. And they could easily put in these categories, well, that's my enemy, I'm allowed to treat them bad. I'm allowed to be mean to them, that's my enemy. Over here is my neighbor, and I need to be nice to them. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your enemies, love your neighbors, and hate your enemies. But I'm here to tell you, love your enemies. Love those that don't look like you and act like you. Love those that are labeled differently than you. Love those kinds of people. Why? Because Jesus made it make sense. He said, how easy is it to love people that you get along with? How easy is it to love people that do do the same things you do how easy is it to love people that are your brothers they believe like you do but how hard is it when you have somebody that you know doesn't like you when you know they're against you when you know they believe differently than you it is hard to love them but I believe what God is calling us to is to live the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is a, a kingdom of love love we've been talking about it's a Wednesday night but love is the greatest power in the universe and John says in first John 4 
beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not does not know God, for God is love. God doesn't love, God is love. There is no part of God, even the wrath and the justice of God are full of love, because there is no part of God that does not love. And we are called to embody the kingdom of God and bring dominion, and part of that is how we treat others and how we love others. Amen? And then Jesus ended this by saying something that I think, a couple things he said, but the last one is almost impossible. First thing he said was this. He said, why do we love our enemies? That you may be called sons of your father. What are sons, kids, not just ladies, you're in this? Because once again, he created male and female in his image and gave dominion to both. So what are children of God? They are the ones that have the authority. They're the ones that have the right and the authority from the Father. We represent the Father. When I was growing up, my daddy taught me all the time. I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, and everywhere we went, everybody knew us, and my dad taught me all the time, son, I gave you a good name, keep it clean. In other words, you represent your parents, okay? And when you do something, we're going to love you no matter what, but guess what? When you do something, if it's really stupid, that's going to reflect on us. So be careful how you live. And, and all of a sudden, if we realize we are children of God, you know how many people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't want to go to church anymore. And I say, why? I quit church. Why? And they say, because I'm tired of people that say they're Christians and they live like they, they hate people and they're mean and all of these things. And that is not the way that I want people to think of a Christian. And I try to tell them all the time, just take some duct tape and put it over their mouth. Okay, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. But the truth is this, that whenever you understand what it means to love, you become a child of God. And here's what I want to tell you. He says this at the end, that you may be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Listen, we have been fed a bill of lies from the, the church because the church has taught for too long that, that the parts of your life you can't do good. You just you can't help it but sin and mess up. And listen, we are Wesleyan. We are Pentecostal holiness. And our holiness comes from the Wesleyan tradition. And John Wesley believed in entire sanctification. Okay, sanctification means becoming like Christ. He believed in entire sanctification. He literally believed there were parts of our life. Now listen, once again, I'm, not try I'm telling you that I get that we're human and there's going to be times that we fail. But once again, I think the church has gone too far that way and we act like, oh, who cares? We'll just fail all the time. And God's grace is there. We've gone too far in that way. But here's the perfection that Wesley believed in. It wasn't even in all these certain, you know, don't, I, I, I jokingly say this, but when I was growing up, is don't smoke, drink, or chew around the girls who do, okay? That was kind of the stuff we preached against. And, 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 and perfection for us growing up was I didn't do all these worldly things. I stayed away from, I, I was listening before I came in here to a, a guy that I, I love to listen to, it's a, called the Azusa Street from 1995, and we were listening, and it's a black gospel music, and it just kind of gets me fired up, ready to preach. I was listening to it in the, in the, back there in the, in the office, and one of the things the preacher said, he said, when growing up, we were holiness, we couldn't go out, but he said, in church is where we cut loose. He said, if we dance, we danced in church. I mean, that's where we just, we cut loose because that was the place we could let our hair down and be ourselves and worship God and enjoy that. And, and, and part, so part of our holiness Wesleyan background is this, that 
we, we, we preached against all these things, but the one thing we didn't talk about much was love. And here's what Wesley believed. Wesley believed that we could be perfected in our love. That even in this life, not just one of these days when we get to heaven, even in this life, if we would allow God to do it, that's the key. If we would surrender to God and allow him to do it, that we could get to the place where we walked in perfect love toward other people. Listen, I'm telling you, it is the, probably the most difficult thing you'll ever do in all the world. I'm not trying to make it easy. But First John, at least two places, says that the, that, the God, that, the, that the love of God be perfected in you. And I believe what God wants us to do is to embody the kingdom of God in love so that whenever we come across things, we know how to respond like Jesus. We know how to respond in love. Love doesn't mean you let people do whatever they want. Love means sometimes you have to confront. Jesus took a, a whip and he went through there and threw the tables of the money changers over. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to be honest but you do it in a spirit of love and if you want to know what it means because Jesus said it in here, if he said it it's got to be true, I believe it and I'm called to live by it and if he says be perfect, I look and say Lord I can't do this. Number one he says yes you can, not by yourself but I have given you my Holy Spirit on the inside of you and don't make excuses for yourself. God, Jesus didn't write the Sermon on the Mount so we can look and say there's no way that's possible he wrote the sermon on the mount and say this is what it means by my spirit you can live this way you can love people that don't like you you can bless those that persecute you you can pray for those that come against you you can spend your time loving these people and I believe what God wants in our hearts and in our lives is for the love of God to be perfected in us so that the way I treat others is a reflection of the kingdom of God and when I walk around loving people the right way and I walk around living the kingdom I am getting dominion back I'm saying Satan you can't tell me how I'm going to love people I'm not going to do it according to the kingdom of darkness I am going to love them according to the kingdom of light and because of that I am taking back dominion Satan you have no place principalities and powers you've got to go because we believe we are restoring the kingdom of God in our lives in our families and in our communities can you say amen this morning the worship team will come. I'm almost done. So my question to you this morning is this. What areas of your life has love not been perfected? What areas of your life do you need God to work on? What areas of your life do you need to begin to live the kingdom of God? Because I believe many of us have lived down here when God's called us to live up here. And we've fallen short of the authority and the dominion we have. And we put up with a lot of things. I don't know about you, there's times in my life where I've let situations get to me to finally to a place where I say, okay, I'm tired of it now. And I, I will, and I don't know why I don't do this first. But I'll hit my knee. And I'll begin to cry out to God. And I take authority over the situation. And you know what? The truth is, Jesus said it right there. The, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And I can't tell you that every time I've done that, the situation has changed. But you know what changed? I changed. Something changed inside of me. Something changed in me where I said, I am taking authority over this and no longer. And many of us, we allow situations. We allow people in our life to dictate how we act. Well, pastor, if you used to be my co-worker, you'd act like that too. 
Pastor, if you knew what that person in my family says to me, you'd be that way too. Pastor, if you knew all the stress in my life, you'd act like that too. Listen to me. There is no excuse that you can give God where God looks and says, you're right, I'm sorry. My, my word is wrong. You're right. Just go on living however you need to. Every time, you know what the Lord says? My word is true. And if you'll live by that, it's not easy. It's not always fun. Sometimes it's fun to gripe and complain and scream about people. Sometimes it's fun, if we're being honest and natural, to snap back at people. I don't have time to tell you all this, but you know what Jesus said right before that? If somebody punches you in the face, turn the other cheek. You think that's easy? The only time I like turning the other cheek is if I'm swinging my fist, right? He said, he said this, if somebody asks for your tunic, give them your cloak also. Here's what that means. I don't have time to preach about this today, but in those days, pardon my, this is just the truth, men did not wear underwear like we understood. They wore a tunic. Okay? They basically had, anybody grow up here, maybe you still wear these, so don't get mad at me. Anybody grow up here wearing a moo-moo or your mama wore a moo-moo? These were like men moo-moos. Okay? That's true. And the undergarment was like their underwear. And whenever somebody got sued, literally, they would take everything. And the judge would say, give me your tunic. And they would walk out of there naked, literally, and ashamed. And Jesus said, if somebody sues you, don't just give them your coat on the outside. Give them, be willing to give all of that to them. And then he says, that if somebody, and then he says, go the second mile. Rome in that day, the reason we have mile markers on the interstate right here is because of Rome. Rome started mile markers. And the, the, the law was a Jewish male had to carry a, a backpack. He had to carry it one mile. So if a, a Roman soldier was tired, he would get a Jewish male and say, come here, carry this pack. And they had to carry it a mile. When they got to that mile marker, they had to let them go. And Jesus said, if they make you carry it one mile, go two miles. Think about how different that was. Think about this. Who in the world, when somebody punches them, doesn't fight back like that? Who in the world, whenever you say, can I borrow your coat? Say, here, just take my underwear with it, okay? I, 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 if I ever ask for your coat, please do not do that for me. How many, of, how many times would they have pulled somebody to the side and say, go one mile, and this, all of a sudden this person says, you know what, I'll go two. How crazy was that? And what Jesus says is this, my kingdom is upside down from the world. My kingdom is not of this world. Matter of fact, you know what they said about in the book of Acts about a man named Jason? They accused Jason of this, of turning the world upside down. That these men have come here, they're followers of Jesus, and they have turned the world upside down. Do you realize Jesus didn't turn the world upside down? He turned the world right side up. He turned the world the way he amended it to meet, meant it to be from the beginning. He was turning it back the right side up so that we could walk in authority and dominion and we can live the kingdom and we can radically live a life of love and servanthood. That's what it means to be like Jesus, the greatest servant that ever lived. He left the glories of heaven and he came to this earth and he said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And now we can embody the kingdom of God. We can love those that are labeled wrong. We can be servants to people. We can care about people and we can take back the authority and dominion we are called to walk in because we embody the kingdom of God. That is the gospel and that is good news. Will you stand up this morning?